Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Tired Mummy Podcast, a safe platform where we can openly discuss the highs and lows of parenthood, judgment-free. Join me in authentic conversations with mums and dads from across the globe. Let's help each other feel less alone, let's grow and feel better in our parenting skin together. Come join our tribe while we get into some real talk. And don't forget, bring your coffee. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tired Mummy podcast. I'm your host, Alice Lanesbury. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, I talk to Rebecca. She is the director of Growing Gently Psychology. Rebecca has a passion for working with infants and children, as well as supporting the well-being of their parents and carers. After becoming a mother herself, Rebecca was confronted with the myriad of misinformation and conflicting advice surrounding parenthood. Rebecca established Growing Gently Psychology in an effort to be an informed and positive source of information to parents which doesn't dictate how you should parent, but empowers them to make their own parenting decisions which are informed, mindful, compassionate and value aligned. I can't wait to share this chat with you. We go into quite a few topics, so let's get started. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Can you please let the listeners know a little bit about you and what's one piece of parenting advice you wish that you'd never listened to? Hi, Alice. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super keen to come on to your podcast, particularly because it's called The Tired Mummy, which I think that grabbed my attention straight away. something that I can definitely relate to and a lot of the clients I support can relate to. So, yeah, so relatable. Um, So I love the name. Um, But, yeah, my name's um, Rebecca and I'm a psychologist. So I'm located in the Blue Mountains, New South Wales in Australia, um, and I support um, clients um, 
face-to-face in the Blue Mountains, um, but also through telehealth across Australia. My interest area is um, perinatal infant and child mental health. I've worked predominantly with children and I've got a growing interest in supporting um, parents and infant uh, sleep because that is a big source of stress and it can be a big challenge for um, any new parent, even when sleep is quite normal. <laughs> normal is still hard. I like to work through different um, modalities and approaches, but basically my approach is always to be informed um, to have the information that you need um, to make a line decision. So working, making the decisions that are best for you and the way that you want to parent. To be um, mindful, so thinking about not just immersing yourself in the present moment and trying to enjoy um, parenting as it comes, but also having that um, awareness of um, how you can make decisions that you know bring you um, more joy or help you connect with your child or help you parent in a way that you feel good about. I'm also a big advocate of bringing compassion into parenting. So, you know, extending that compassion onto our children, but also, um, and this is where what parents find more difficult, is um, bringing that compassion onto ourselves as parents as well. Yeah, so that's a bit about my approach that I take. Sounds so good. You sound like the perfect psychologist to me. <laughs> What's one piece of advice, parenting advice, you wish that you'd never listened to? Do you have any? Oh, yes. I feel like I'm slowly, ever so slowly becoming better at um, making my own decisions and not listening to advice, but definitely I think one of the, one of the hardest aspects of parenting is the conflicting advice. Um, and I think that in the early stages of parenting, I did fall into the trap, I think, about um, kind of when it's to do with, you know, mainly sleep and settling for an infant and that whole idea about letting an infant self-settle. I think that it's not something that I overtly did, but I think it caused me a lot of guilt, um, a two-way guilt. So guilt when I uh, when I did respond to my baby and, and pick her up, but also guilt when I didn't <laughs> because of um, the advice of you should leave a baby um, self-settle and, and whatnot. So I think that, yeah, that was a, a compounded guilt in that area. And, um, you know, I think I did have to go on that journey and work through that in order to become stronger um, and more confident as a parent and and stronger at um, not following advice that that doesn't sit right with me. Um, But it's definitely something that I wish I I wish I came to a bit sooner. (laughs) I wish I let go of that advice a bit sooner. I so relate to you. No one's ever put it in words like that, feeling guilty for picking them up and then feeling guilty for not. Like it's just this, it's because of all the conflicting advice. You're just always having this inner conflict. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. All right, I wanted to ask you, how can we inform people who are about to become parents about the realities of parenthood without freaking them out? Um, I remember always getting comments like, oh, you just wait or... 
you know, which is entirely unhelpful, but I also would have liked to have been somewhat prepared. I didn't prepare at all, to be honest. I just knew that I was ready to become a mum. I felt extremely clucky and prepared so much for the birth, but that's about as far as I got. So when I became a mum, I was completely blindsided. Can we prevent this? Can we actually prepare for what's ahead? Yeah, it's it's. A, I think it's a really big question because I would like to say yes, but I, I think that there's a few elements into it, you know, and it's also about, you know, your willingness and openness to receiving that advice, which, um, you know, I think that a lot of mums, including myself, are really focused on, you know, pregnancy, what's happening at the present time, which is totally normal and and also necessary. You know, you need to focus on what's actually happening at the time so you can, can get through it um, without taking too much on. And I think we're also really focused on the birth um, for, you know, obvious reasons. And um, we just need to get through that again, because it's a lot, you know, pregnancy, birth, and then thinking of um, early parenting, it's a lot to take on all at once. So I think that, you know, if you're a person that's listening to this, um, thinking, how could I prepare or help a friend? um, You know, I think reminding yourself that it's not, you know, just your responsibility, but if you're also maybe a a mum that's pregnant, knowing that it's okay if you can't take on all the information before your bub's born. Um, And then if you're a new mum, it's okay that you didn't know everything before you came into it. I like to always reflect on the fact that parenting is something that's learnt and it's not something that we can learn all at once. Um, What we know about parenting and, and parenthood Um, is something we start learning about when we are super young and it's through the experience of of being parented. So that's really the first exposure to what parenting um, is like throughout our life up until we get parenting, up until we become parents and then beyond, we're getting so much information that we may not even be consciously aware of that um, also tells us about parenting so this could be through seeing other parents in the community you know we go to the supermarket and we're seeing how other parents are managing their children or relating to their children or it could be um you know other family members or friends that have had children we're observing that could even be on tv um on through movies how parents are depicted and what parenthood is depicted as which we know um well, I often watch movies and I'm like, that is so not what it's like. You know, I remember watching a TV show recently about um, um, a young mother who was training to be a lawyer and her baby was just in the court or just being tagged along with her to court hearings and things. And I was like, what? <laughs> this, this baby is literally a doll. Like, I know it is because the baby wouldn't even cope, not to mention um, if it was actually real life. But I think that even when we're not consciously aware, all those messages are getting built up in our mind so that when we come along and we have our own baby, um, you know, there are certain expectations that we have that um, may not be realistic because of all the information we've been exposed to from the beginning. 
Um, of our time. I find that so interesting. I've never thought about it in that way. Like obviously preparing for birth, I was aware that birth was portrayed on TV and movies very incorrectly. Um, so I had to deprogram myself in order to have a successful home birth, but I'd never thought about parenting. It's so true. It's the same. It is not depicted correctly either so that's very interesting you know if you think about all the tv you've watched all the movies that you've watched and you know what you've accumulated in your brain about what you've seen it's the same thing having to deprogram not only what we've learned through our parents but what we've learned from external yeah things that's so interesting I never thought about that that coupled with the fact that a lot of parents will act differently and present differently in the public domain rather than at home and try and conceal some of those struggles because, you know, we all want to be seen as being um, good parents and and unfortunately um, there's still a dominance in that um, myth of what a perfect parent is. You know, a perfect parent is someone whose children are perfectly behaved, a perfect parent parent has a child that sleeps through the night, a perfect parent always is happy all the time, all these things which are not realistic, but that's the, the stereotype. So, um, you, know, you know, in the public domain, you've got parents that are hiding any, any piece of evidence that they're not like that. And so, you know, when, even when you're pregnant, you still get those, the, the mums around you um, almost trying to cover up um, what the reality is like because um, we feel like we have a lot to lose if we are vulnerable and show the reality of um, parenting um, because there's so much judgment out there on parents. Definitely when it comes to social media, when I became a parent, I was just like, why is this so hard? Like I see all these people out and about with their newborns and they look all sleepy and it looks so easy. And that just was not my experience. So I did have a little bit of, I don't know if anger is the right word, but I was just like, maybe I was pissed off because people weren't portraying what parenthood is really like. Yeah. I I have to say that I totally resonate with that experience because I had worked again with parents as a psychologist and and I had I knew a lot of people who had children and babies as well in my personal life and I kind of felt like parenting was a secret that no one really told me about and I I was quite blindsided too so then if we talk about what could we say to a new parent without scaring them you know we don't want to give unsolicited advice. No one's going to listen to that. So I think, you know, we might want to, we might be able to see and predict that, you know, someone's going to be blindsided, but we also do kind of need to know our place. But I think maybe the first step, and this is where it's it's kind of, kind of tricky as an individual to take this on, but maybe together we can all chip away at it, is trying to be authentic in our parenting experience. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I spoke a bit about, you know, when we see parents in the public space um, that they're kind of trying to um, portray that parenting myth. Um, I think that a lot of parents, that is just too hard, so they're not even in public spaces. 
So those parents that are neck deep in that newborn life, the parents that do have an unsettled infant that um, isn't sleeping, they're probably not even at, well, I know for sure, I was not at a restaurant or a cafe in that stage of life. So no one would know unless I spoke about it. The first step probably is to be to be authentic and to speak up and advocate for your family's needs too. You know, I heard of a situation the other day where um, I shouldn't say a family, I should say a parent was invited out for um, a pub crawl of some sort and um, couldn't go because of they committed to um, caring for their child. Not really appropriate to take children out to a pub crawl. And, you know, ideally maybe that um, parent did want to find a babysitter um, to go um, to go on that um, outing, but that's not always possible. It's not possible because sometimes we can't um, find someone to sit our kids or um, we can't afford to pay someone or it could be that a child doesn't cope with um, being away from us or particularly during certain routines, you know, like that, the bedtime routine, things like that. There's lots of um, factors that can contribute to why that can be a tricky um, thing for a parent. And it came up as to whether the parent should tell the um, person that was hosting why they couldn't go or not. And I think if we want to be authentic, saying the honest reason without, you know, saying you should change my birthday party, but like, no, that's a really tricky time for me. Like to be out at the bedtime routine, um, I can't leave um, my child with someone else at that stage. That can be like just planting the seed um, for sharing the reality of parents without then telling a pregnant person, you just wait until you never sleep again. Yes, I think that is so beautiful. I got goosebumps as you were talking. I think this is one of the reasons I started the podcast is to have real discussions that are judgment-free because I feel like sometimes when you're a new parent and you're experiencing these things that you didn't think you were going to experience, you feel guilt and shame about them. But the more we're real about it and the more that we share it and the more that we talk about it, the more we can break that down and, you know, change the culture, I suppose. (laughs) yeah it's about yeah speaking speaking your truth um and everyone will have different versions of the truth and things that are true for them but if we speak about it then we can we said there's always going to be some shared experience or shared themes when it comes to parenthood and I think the main one is that there are definitely definitely um some great happy times and there's also a lot of challenging times and a lot of um difficult experiences and also emotions with it um and I also think um if you getting back to your question about how do we prepare parents I think it's also about planting the seed to those that are expecting their first child that um a lot of these things are learnt you know um you know, breastfeeding is learnt or any infant feeding is learnt. No one intuitively knows. Um, I think people know that you probably do need to learn about um, how to prepare formula, but breastfeeding is often presented as um, a natural thing so that you can't learn, but in fact it is a learnt thing. Um, And a lot of parenting behaviours are learnt, you know, calming down or settling a child or calming down a I'm a toddler in a tantrum. These are all things that we're not 
innately born knowing. We learn these through, as I mentioned before, our parenting experience, observing others, um, and then we can explicitly learn them through maybe attending a breastfeeding course or reading a parenting book, seeing a professional. There's or there's like a whole a whole way of learning. Um, but even just planting the seed to an expectant mum that or um, expectant dad that you're going to probably have to go out of your way to learn these things can kind of then eliminate, potentially eliminate the shame that comes when their little one's in their arms and they're not sure what to do, kind of giving them permission that, you know, I'm not going to tell you everything that's going to happen, but what I'm going to tell you about is that there's going to be times where you don't know what to do. Perfectly, perfectly said. Because it's right. a lot to learn. <laughs> it, it is. And I guess, you know, it's individual as well to your child because they're their own little person and it will be an ever-evolving thing until they become an adult. It's going to be yeah. ever-learning, ever-evolving. So I know I quickly learnt in parenthood that you can't really change a situation like our child's sleep. You can try and I did I tried everything under the sun (laughs) every product every technique the ones I felt comfortable with anyway I eventually had to learn like we just talked about that the situation is you know out of my control there's only so much of parenthood um that we you know we can control so what tools or strategies can we implement to help us cope in situations where we feel out of control or situations we can't change? Yeah, so there there is a lot. So I won't obviously be able to cover everything, but I think the first one is just taking a step back and thinking about what you can control and what you can't control because often the emotion does take over, um, particularly, you know, when you're sleep deprived. So if we're looking at, you know, infant sleep, what we can't control is we cannot just click our fingers and make our baby sleep, although I definitely wish for that, usually multiple times a day. Um, but with that with that issue, we can't, you know, change normal infant sleep. You know, babies are designed to wake frequently during the night um, and they're going to need support over, like, over a 24-hour period, not just between 9 to 5. Um but what we can can control in those situations is removing the barriers that may be preventing um, sleep, um, increasing what we call the sleep pressure of your little one. So, and by you know providing them with sensory experiences, build that sleep pressure, and also to keep them d- dialed. Um, down and we can also roll kind of our expectations that we have over the situation so I think expectation checking is probably um, something that maybe goes unnoticed you know is what I'm trying to get my baby or child to do is what I'm expecting to, to happen realistic because if it's not realistic then there's no way I can make this happen or control things enough to make it happen. Um, so if then we're talking about the situations where we just we can't control it, it's about acknowledging that you're doing your best and doing what you can 
extending some self-compassion onto yourself and um, being really aware of that inner critic that can come out during these times that maybe you should be controlling more than um, you are um, or that you should be doing more or maybe the situation, sometimes you think maybe other people might be able to cope better in this situation, but um, kind of letting go of that that criticism of ourselves, letting ourselves have that hard moment, letting it be hard, soothing ourselves through the way that we talk to ourselves because there's lots of different things we can do to help ourselves in different parenting situations. There's a lot of people we can call upon and all those things, you know, we want to, we want to use all those resources. We don't want to be our own island, but we also don't want to be working against ourselves. Yeah, I think that's so important to adjust our expectations to learn the art of acceptance and just to be super compassionate with ourselves because we are learning like we just discussed. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think self-compassion is so important. It's very new to me and I think it's important to just treat ourselves maybe the way that we would treat our children. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that can be... It can be hard to find your um, compassionate inner voice um, because our brains are literally wired to pick out faults and to problem solve as a way of survival, but we can kind of rewire our brains through practising that self-compassion. But one way is, well, one way we can do that is perhaps in a difficult moment to think, you know, if this was my daughter just say that was having this having this um struggle what would I say to her if she was suffering or she was feeling stressed out um you know I might be saying to her you're doing your best you know you're um you don't need to be the perfect mom and this situation is just really hard um and there's nothing you're doing it's just because it's a hard situation imagining or saying that to someone we care about, whether it's our child or maybe it's our pet or maybe it's a friend, um, then we can kind of get that language happening and then put it onto ourselves. I think that's so good. I think it's also good to acknowledge that self-compassion just doesn't happen overnight. It's definitely practice. Um, When should someone reach out for help, especially those who find it hard to accept help, which was me? What are the signs that we should look for? Yeah, so I think that, first of all, if you're, you know, if you've got a gut feeling that you're needing help, then following that gut feeling is is definitely encouraged. But sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we don't actually know it ourselves. Sometimes it does take somebody else to say, hey, I, I think you do need help. So, you know, sometimes it can be hard for other people um, to take that from someone else, but... Sometimes it might be um, what you're needing. Maybe if you're thinking then what what should I look out for in myself? You know, a chronic feeling of being unable to cope or being overwhelmed um, is definitely a bit of a warning sign. Being overly um, tearful or weepy or um, being sad most of the time or stressed out most of the time um, is definitely some other warning signs. As is if, you know, some people get some more specific symptoms like having um, like quite distressing thoughts um, or intrusive thoughts pop into mind. It could be just like withdrawing 
from different situations, not wanting to do the things you normally wanted, want to do or not wanting to kind of talk to anyone or engage with other other people as much, you know, feeling heavy, feeling tired, maybe having significant disruptions to things like not wanting to eat or um, having change of appetite or, or being really unable to sleep even once your baby gets to sleep. So often, you know, changes to sleep or not sleeping is um, kind of seen as a, a symptom of that something else is happening, but that can be confusing for new parents because it's like, well, of course my sleep is disrupted when I have a new baby or when I have a toddler that's still waking because that happens too quite that's, frequently. That's, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then, well, you know, of course I'm not sleeping. Well, I think then the, the thing to to also look at is, you know, once you have settled the baby or the toddler's back to sleep, how long is it taking you to get back to sleep if you're still tossing and turning or still awake even when everyone else is asleep? That's That can be a sign that maybe um, there's a bit of underlying anxiety or stress. You know, if you're not really sure whether you should see someone or not, someone or not I think that there's no harm in talking that through with someone, your GP or um, a professional, you know, I always think that, you know, you're better off of going and, and rather than not going because if there's that inkling inside, then it's, that's probably probably a sign that we should um, and we should listen listen to that. And it doesn't matter if you think that you have it maybe easier than others or not as bad as other people. We all... Um, we are all deserving of, of um, support and we can't do it alone. And sometimes that does mean having um, professional support. And I, I'm a big advocate of doing preventative um, supports as well. So, you know, it might not be that in a moment of crisis, but it might be that you um, go and speak to someone and just learn about um, a few things, few ways that work for you that you can regulate yourself through some stressful situations um, and then you've got those skills and um, carry them with you for when you need it. Yeah, I think that's great, just learning some tools that you can use when you do find yourself in any of those situations. And I just, while we're talking about this, would like to encourage anyone who's feeling any of those things and you might feel shame about reaching out, please don't. Please, please reach out for help. You are not alone. I have experienced probably half of the things you just mentioned and it's normal it's okay yeah and and getting help can make it a lot lighter exactly exactly now I wanted to I've got two questions left I wanted to know um if you could go back and talk to yourself in your early mother days what would you tell her there's probably so much that I know now that I wish I had, um, wish I was aware of. Um, but I think one of the things would be that there's strength in vulnerability. I think that um, becoming a parent, you are all of a sudden thrust in situations where you feel really vulnerable because you don't have control over things. Um, your your emotions are running high, um, and it can feel really uncomfortable if you haven't had to sit in that space before. Um, and it's sometimes it's about um, 
knowing that those moments um, when you get the support you need and you work through them can become moments that build you and that are of strength. Um, and again, it's what you just mentioned before, Alice, about um, there's no shame in experiencing those vulnerable moments um, because they happen to all of us at, in one form or another or one degree or another. And I think that there's just, again, what I mentioned to you before, one thing that I wish I um, knew or what I would tell myself if I'm looking back is that um, it's just to turn inwards more and listen what felt right to me and what I thought was best for my family and that it's okay to, to follow that path. Um, if you, and I, and I say that because, you know, I, I probably did know what my values were and what, how I wanted to parent, but I didn't really know the how to as much. Um, and so it is about being informed, but again, filtering through that information. There's a lot of filtering, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, I do think it's very important to just try and turn inwards and listen to yourself. That's definitely something I learned as well. You generally will get much better outcome if you just listen to your intuition mm. uh, but also there's there's nothing wrong if you make mistakes there's always always a learn and you come out the other end like you were saying before you come out the other end stronger and with so many things that you've learned and gifts like one of the gifts motherhood has given me is a lot more confidence in who I am, less perfectionism because I do not have time <laughs> and less caring about what other people think because I don't have time for that either. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it funny though, if you, as you're learning those things, you're not really aware of it all the time, but it's only when you look back, you're like, ah, oh, I've been on that journey. Those things have happened over time. Yeah. But sometimes it just feels like pushing and pulling oh yeah sometimes you're just like why am I going through this and why does it feel this way and you don't see the learns in the moment it's later on but yeah yeah sending compassion to anyone who's going through a tough time right now just know that you will get through the other side yeah now I wanted to end our conversation on I know you have a webinar coming up um, on how to uh, implement joy uh, into our everyday lives. So I thought I would ask you if we could just touch on a little bit and then I'll share in the show notes um, where people can go to join you on that. How can we implement joy into our daily lives? So there's probably lots of ways, um, you know, practising gratitude, um, living a life or parenting in a way that's aligned to your values can bring you joy. Um, but I um, specifically like to focus and I will be focusing on in my webinar about finding joy through connection. So when we're connected to others, um, we can experience joy when it's, you know, the right connections as well. Um, and particularly with our children. So our children do feel safer and more secure when we're connected to them. And I think that a lot of parents know that kids love um, uh, us spending time 
connecting with them. But what is often thrown around is that we need to spend long um, periods of um, play or doing activities with our children, which, of course, if we have the time, is great. And, you know, that can be enjoyable for us and it can be enjoyable for our children. But then what can happen is that at those times in our life or in our routines where we're just really busy, it's then, well, the connection is then missing. So um, what we can do is focus on uh, how we can include connection throughout our busy routine. So it could be, you know, um, connection through getting ready and getting out the door to drop the kids off at school or um, childcare, or it could be um, connecting with your child during the housework. So it doesn't necessarily, you're not choosing housework over connecting with your children. We can find ways to connect with our children through um, housework. So, like one of the the ways, um, I'll be sharing a lot of ways during the webinar throughout the webinar. But one of them is greeting your child or connecting with them whenever you walk into the room or whether whenever you come home. Sometimes we can get really caught up in just doing stuff, and it can be hard to then make a change in the way we do things, like get ready in the morning or do the housework. So, what I like to do is to help. Um, parents remember to kind of make these changes is to pair them with things that you're already doing in your routine. So we're walking into a room is something you probably do, you know, 50 times a day is you walk out of one room, walk into the next room, walk into the next room. So one of the rituals you could start is whenever you walk into the room that your child's in or whenever they walk into the room you're in, is to, to do some kind of, kind of noticing or greeting of them. So this can, this will be dependent on, you know, obviously the moment, you know, if the child's engaged in something, you don't want to be too um, over the top or distracting or, you know, different children will um, need more or less enthusiasm and that might have to be dependent on their um, kind of sensory preferences or in personal preferences, but also their age. But it could be that, you know, when you um, walk into the room, you'd be like, oh, hey, there's Matthew James, and make a big whoop to do about it, which can be quite surprising. And then that could um, make it a bit of a fun moment. But it could be just as you walk past, past them in the room, touching their head to just show that you're noticing them and to do that um, like a physical act of um, connection or it could just be something like walking into a room and being like, oh, you're um, watching Bluey now, like a, just like noticing what they're doing. And these things can take, you know, two to five seconds even. Um, but it's that, but it's a way of connect, connecting rather than just rushing past each other um, and rushing around them, which totally happens when you're a parent. It's very easy to do. Uh, awesome. I love that. I, I Connection is something I'm focusing on at the moment. Um, I find myself picking up my phone way too much and I do think it's quality over quantity. Like you don't have to play with your child all day. I think you just need some good quality time where there's no distractions and it's just you guys. And I think that fills up their cup so much more than if you're just like half present with them for like the whole day. 
Yeah, I think that it's about finding the balance and what works for you and your family. Um, you know, I know parents definitely can schedule in time at a certain time of the day um, to play with their kids, but I think it's also about, um, you know, if you're cooking dinner, um, reaching out to the child rather than um, kind of just all of a sudden 40 minutes has passed and what are they doing? <laughs> not that you're not supervising, but because you're juggling so many tasks. Yeah. I know for me that's usually when um, the tricky behaviours start to come out. Yeah, so, that, was, that was me last night, <laughs> climbing on everything while I'm trying to make yeah. dinner, being yeah, super I mean, dangerous while I'm trying to make dinner. Yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes then having like a five-second um, ritual of connection can then help break that cycle, you know. They're literally climbing. Um, my daughters are climbing to climber too. They literally can't get them out of that cycle. They keep going back to the same thing. Having a, like a five-minute reset ritual of connection can help um, when you are like in the middle of making dinner and you can't really stop that to then do half an hour of playing. So, mm, such good advice. Where can our listeners find you if they feel like they want to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, I love connecting um, with listeners. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to. So I do have a website, www.growinggentlypsychology.com.au, but I'm most active on Instagram at Growing Gently Psychology and I'm also on Facebook, Growing Gently Psychology. So... Awesome. Oh, Rebecca, such a beautiful chat. I am so excited to get this out. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful that you're here with me every episode. And if this episode resonated with you, please hit the five stars on your podcast app. This helps the podcast be seen by more tired mums and dads just like you. I cannot wait to bring you another episode soon. Take care, everyone, and big love. This Tired Mummy is signing out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.